when you break up with someone, that pain that you feel is terrible, but then if you surrender to that pain, the next relationship that you have might oh. be far better. Pain creates innovation as well. I've learned that to listen to my gut way more than my head, yeah. way more. And as I said, always come to a solution. I think that's the biggest thing. If you don't have a solution, then you don't leave the room and that's it. Even at the darkest moment, we still had faith. Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I'm your host, Kerwin Ray, and today, oh my God, are we unstoppable because we got Asai in the system. The Asai Brothers, Ben Day and Sam Carson. These boys opened the Asai Brothers back in 2014 of October and they've grown their stores to over 20 store nationally. The brand focuses on a healthy way to eat out as a community, but as well as lifestyle and fitness, and these boys have done some incredible stuff. Not only is Asai Brothers Australia's fastest growing superfood bar franchise, but these boys have also been named as the top 40 under 40. Brisbane's most influential young entrepreneurs in 2017. Background in professional sports before getting into business and they share all of the ups, all of the downs and everything in between. And for those of you who are looking for really different insights into the connection between sport, you know, the resilience that's required and how to build that resilience, this is one you're not going to want to miss. Check it out. Asai Brothers, Ben Day and Sam Carson. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive, but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com ladies and gentlemen it's my great honor and pleasure to welcome back to Unstoppable. These boys have actually been here before but there's a bit of a story to go with this Ben Day and Sam Carson from Asai Boys, welcome to Unstoppable. Yeah, thank on, you. Guys. Now, there's a bit of a story here. We had you guys in here, fuck, two years ago almost, mm-hmm. and we, we recorded, we should say this, the most epic podcast in the history of all podcasts. I would say so. Uh, no and pressure. then we had a server crash, and we lost like 40 fucking podcasts, and yours was in there. I was okay with the other 39 when I found out yours was gone. <laughs> Stop tears, it, Mainly because we're from Brisbane. And Trauma, big, yeah. PTSD, <laughs> re-onset, it's, uh, it's all happening. We were gutted, man. We were like, he obviously didn't like yeah, our podcast. We, actually thought no that, yeah, we had no idea. sort of shit, because we record so many. Many, yeah. We release them at different times, and everyone gets fucking sensitive. Like, like, did I say something to offend you? Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, well, it's coming." But we were so excited, and we just kept looking. <laughs> oh, like, is it there? Is it there? <laughs> so, um, as we've just discussed, you know, I think there's a bit of a theme here for everyone in the room that where you do something the second time, it's always better. You know, measure mm-hmm. twice, cut once. So I'm super excited because I know a lot's happened in the last couple of years as yep. well. Yep. But um, where I really want to go, and look, I'm not going to. I don't. I'm, I'm actually going to remove the previous interview from my mind. I'm just going to start afresh. But you boys have a really interesting history. How far does it go back? Because you guys have. Let's let's just talk SI for a moment. Yeah. Uh, uh, you guys, SI Brothers has been going since when? Uh, 2014. October second, we right. opened the store. And you guys have built it up to how many? How many Over stores? Now? We have 20 stores. Over 20 yeah. stores yeah. now. Yeah. So it's a pretty incredible story. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing. I'm, and I seem to just wherever I go, you, your stores seem to be there. That's good. But where did you guys come together? 
Gosh, it was a long time ago. To be honest, um, like Sam and I come from a place in the Redlands. Uh, so it's it's if anyone's been out that way in Brisbane, it's uh, it's a very small community, and um, everyone seems to know everyone. And we uh, we both grew up in a sporting background. So, um, you know, Sam and I, we competed against each other in, in track and field and other sports. And I think when you're in a small community and you're quite well known in that area of sports. How old were you when you boys connected? Gosh. Oh, we would have been... Uh, maybe 10, nearly 12. Yeah. Like, that's 12, when I, yeah. I remember sort of like... 29, yeah. 30. Now, I remember watching so, him run and being like, yeah. this kid is ridiculously fast. And really? Ever, ever ridiculously <laughs> fast. Stop wow. it, Benny. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's sort, of, that's sort of where we remember each other from. As I said, a very small community. So I think that, um, you know, if you're quite well known, mainly for sports, I think we breed a lot of good athletes out that area and also a lot of young yeah, entrepreneurs, true. funnily enough, that come from that area, what we've seen in Brisbane anyway. So um, we knew each other uh, growing up through the sporting industry and then um, it was, wasn't probably till we were about 20, 21 when we started opening our, our gym and that's when we sort of really connected. It was actually through our partners at the time, which are girlfriends. Right. So every year we used to go to Noosa for Christmas and... Um, one year, this this kid popped in. He came in a little bit later than me with uh, with his partner, and um, ever since then, we spent every Christmas together and started getting closer and closer. That's where more of a, uh, I guess, a friendship sort of built. So, right. yeah. So up until that point, you guys were, were friends, but exactly. Not a lot more friends. acquaintances, yeah, you know. So I think we it was were, one of those. We were things. track competitors. Yes, yeah. You were it, competitors. <laughs> yes, competitors. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the main reasons why we connected was purely for the fact that we both love sport. We're pretty competitive. We both love business. We're pretty driven people. Yeah, you know, I can see that you guys have a real synergy. I think one of the reasons why we we definitely connected was because we're pretty similar people. Yeah, you know, right. we're both driven people. We both love sport, and I think we're very alike. And, I think and, we wouldn't be in business this long, you know, if we weren't, you know, quite similar in a way or understood each other really well and built that. Relationship. Well, it's interesting because you both sound like you've got a pedigree in um, competitiveness, but there's a high level of team collaboration between you guys as well. Yep. Yeah, straight away. Like, you know, very rarely do you see partnerships actually work. Yeah. Because it's very rare that you see two people have the same vision for a certain idea. Yep. So, it's, it's look, it's been an amazing five years. We've had our run-ins every yep. now and then, but we've, we've made the commitment when we're in the boardroom. That problem gets solved whether we like it or not. Mm. And we have to hug it out yep. before we walk out. Yeah, right. Um, and so, you know, we, we know each other in like the ins and outs. We, we know each other better than ever. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, business has taught us that. So, you, you know, it's been an amazing five years and happy days. You know, it's so interesting. I think that's something that a lot of people neglect in the partner side. They go into a partnership with someone they don't know, which is essentially like married at first sight. It is. Which yeah. is a nightmare. A fucking, <laughs> it is. It's <laughs> one of the highest roading TV shows for a fucking reason because it's nothing but comedy and drama. Um, but you guys actually, you know, you guys, you know, dated, married, spent some time together before you even got into business in the first place. And I think yep. that's a really good point. Because you know, there's there's an old saying: the only partnership that's destined to sink is a par the only ship that's destined to sink is a partnership. Mm. Yeah, um, I think like for us, communication is absolutely yeah. everything. Like we can read each other now, like when something's not right. Um, so for us, it's about communicating that point and yep. making sure that we solve that point before we move to the next mm. task. Okay. Put your ego aside. I think that you know, I think yep. people lie when they say no one has an ego. I think everyone has an ego. And yes. I think especially people that um you know are successful and that are driven and 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 everything that we're trying to achieve as well. You can't help but have a little bit of it. And I think that we've just learned to put that aside and and listen to each other. Yeah, um, right. And as I said, always come to a solution. I think that's the biggest thing. If you don't have a solution, then you don't leave the room, and that's it. So you guys, um, you started competing against each other around 10 and it was around 18, 19, did you say, when you opened your first gym? Yeah, so uh, both of us opened around the same time. But you had separate gyms. We, yeah, did. we had separate, we had separate gyms. gyms. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, I went down the path of 24-7 commercial gym, right. so Snap Fitness. I was a franchisee of Snap Fitness and yep. Benny went down the path of owning a very athlete-specific gym out in Capalaba. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So yeah, we uh, we started in the gym industry um, at around 19, and that's that's sort of where we again that was where we had the commonalities when we first sort of ran back into each other with our partners at the time. That was that that common middle ground, and we saw each other, you know, for who we were in terms of one coming from the sporting background and moving into business, yep. and then seeing the success that we were having in business at the time. I think that's sort of where we got that connection. And so, w- what happens next? You got you've got your your twenty four seven gym. You've got your your specialized athletes clinic. Mm-hmm. How does it how does it evolve and develop from there? Yeah, so I guess. Um Going back a little bit, obviously Sam and I were professional athletes before that. Um, so what, ath- what, what? Where were you guys professional sportsmen? At? So I was a baseball player. So I played overseas That's in the right. US, and then yes. Sam was a track athlete. So I was an Australian yeah. track sprinter. So four hundred hurdler. It was about twenty kilos lighter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> than what I am now, and but... about four seconds faster. <laughs> oh, <I would> say... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe even faster. Mate, on that, I did I did a couple of rounds of four hundreds the other day, and it was an absolute joke. Oh, I was wow. like, I really need to hit the track again. Yeah, wow. So you were a four hundred meter runner. Four hundred meter hurdler. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> God, Talk man. about lactic acid. But you know, that says a lot about who you guys are because that's a fuck, that's a tough race. Like that's probably oh. one of the toughest. It would be the toughest. Race. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause you're doing, not only doing 400, but you're jumping over <laughs> shit. Like yeah. what the fuck's wrong with when you? When you get to that 300 mark yeah. and you have a hundred meters to go and you oh. have three hurdles left, yeah. that's when you start to question <laughs> everything. Life, <laughs> <laughs> Life parents. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. But it's and, and baseball, like that's a yep. bit of a slog, especially in this country to play a professional level in the US. Mm, mm, that's definitely. not an easy feat. It's a weird sport to probably take up. I think that I started in the AFL because that was my dad's background and, right. and um, he did some preseason stuff with Geelong when he was younger and I was sort of destined to play AFL, it seemed. But um, yep. I, I sort of picked up any sport when I was younger and, and it was decently you know, good at it. And I think that um, I got injured when I was about 12 or 13 playing footy for Queensland at the time. And a friend across the road wow. was playing baseball yep. and um, I couldn't play any contact sports. So I was like, well, you know, I'll, wow. I'll play baseball. And um, but from you there, were already an elite athlete before I, you I, I was. I was a good AFL yeah. player at the time. And yeah. I think that, I, as I said, I was pretty capable at most sports when I picked them up. And um, so I started playing baseball and then just never went back to footy. Just kept playing until I got to the point where I got, you know, drafted to go play in the independent leagues wow. in, in America. So. so what was it about the track for you and baseball for you? Because these are professions and any athletic profession is fucking painful and rigorous. Mm. But what was it about that that attracted you to want to pursue that career at that time in your life oh i think um you can bring a lot over from professional sport to business so no question track and field talk- i'm going to get to that nah. i'm more interested no one had taught you yeah, yeah. what was the attraction because one of the things i see is i see um like uh forbes did a research in 1992 where they identified the fortune 500 companies all their ceos they mm. identified the top three percent of the top five percent of ceos of all fortune 500 companies for like 80 years and they discovered three characteristics that they all share. They all had a background in either military, mm. professional or high-level competitive sports or martial arts. Mm. Which, you know, without description, that says a fucking lot already. Mm. But what I'm curious is because a lot of people go, well, I tried to do this sport and I couldn't. And, there's a, and what I've noticed is there's a difference in people that stick to things than people who don't. Mm. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an intrinsic something. And I'm curious, what was yours? What was it that made you pursue something so difficult yeah. when you could have fucking like played video games? 100%. Yeah. I never was a video gamer. Yeah, me neither. I don't know why, but I really should probably... I, I mean, I want to dabble in that space, yeah. but I just don't know where to start. Maybe I'm too old now. I'll get you an Xbox. Okay, Xbox. cool. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> my fiance is not getting me one. Um, look, I, I think for me, when I hit 19 years of age, I did track for 12 years. And so when I hit 19, I was like... My coach at the time, which was my mum, she was like, hey, can you do one more lap, please? And then we can um, finish training. And I said, nah, I can't do one more lap. And it was at that point, I'm like, 
I need to give up track and field. Wow. And so it was at that point, that weekend, I remember going, plain as day, I remember going to the local jewelry store and buying her a diamond ring and giving her that diamond ring and saying, thank you so much for the last 12 years. I really appreciate it. That was to mum. To mum. Oh, what a son. What a son. But oh, Yeah, God. but also I was like <laughs> her own. like elastic panties <laughs> melting everywhere right now. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> oh. And so then from there, I was like, I have all this energy, I have all this love and passion and energy that I need to give to something. What can that be? Yeah. And then I found this love in year 10 when I was 15 years of age for business. Yeah. And so then I started to do that transition. I found it in year 10. Okay. And how did that come on your radar? Well, we did a business class at um, Ormiston College in the Redlands. And I remember it plain as day. You had to create an idea. And I can't remember the idea. I really should look into that. Um, Create an idea and executed the idea. And for me, it blew me away how you can have something in your head, then execute the idea, and then actually have people buy that product from you. Like believe in your product. For me, that still blows me away today when customers walk into our stores. And so I fell in love with that process. I fell in love of idea creation and execution and then giving back to the community. Just fell in love with that. Wow. So I think that was that was where I found the transition. I had all this that's so young all this energy I and structure. I think that's what yeah. it is. I think you're like a little bit ADD when you're younger and you've got all this energy and yeah. like you just find that sometimes sport is that that way to express it and to, to get it out of your body. I think I think I was the same as well. Mm. And then once you start to taste success and once you're quite good at something, all you want to do is continue to master it yeah. more and more and more. And I think that's where you know, sport and baseball and all the other sports that I played, that's where I kept why I kept so going because cool. I just wanted to be a master it. I wanted to be the best at it and no one was going to tell me what otherwise. What was it about so. the pursuit that you really lit you up though? What was it about that that made you go, fuck it, I'm willing to put the extra effort in? Um, Because I, I know it's going to be the same stuff that drives you today. Yeah, I'm just definitely. curious how it developed. Definitely. I think that, um, as I said, I think that once you find that you're good at something and for me in particular, I, I, I double down on it really, really hard and I get obsessed with it. I think it's like an obsessive nature that like once I, I get slightly good at something, I have to be a, a professional at that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think it was that pursuit of perfection on everything that I did and it just so happened that I was very good at sport so every time I put my my attention to something in sport I just succeeded so that that ability to continue to But was it always exceed, that way? Yeah, it was pretty much always so that the way. The moment for me. you got on a track, the moment you picked up something you were just yeah. fucking good at. I, I was I was genuinely pretty good at yeah, it. I think right. you can ask most of the kids I played yep. sport with. I was I think that I, I started doing things when I was like, like 4 years of the world old. Is going, well, that's <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 not even that. I think that as well like I, I was I was obsessive though. Like so it was like to the that's point where key. it was just like I, I as soon as you said that you're not good at that and I was like well I'm going to prove you wrong I'm going to be the best at this so. so did your parents ever force either of you to do sport you see like that's the thing like I had the best upbringing ever mm, like I can tell yeah man like I come from a loving father and a loving mother and an amazing sister who's three years younger than me and like they never told me what to do ever it's like you do you and if you need help I'm here and so like that's my upbringing Wow. That was it, man. Like, wow. I, And even today, like even when I still have issues with AB or whatever it might be, like small minor issues, they're still there. Yeah. Even though they've never built a business before, they have no idea about business at all. Mm-hmm. They're still there as a shoulder to, to lie my head on. And so, Fantastic. yeah, forever grateful for them. Yeah. And so your parents played a big role as well, by saying? Yeah, same. Dad, as I said, dad came from a sporting background, so I think that was natural so for me to, yeah. to, to go into sport in some way or another. And it was just like, as I said, he was AFL. That's why I started playing AFL. But as soon as I moved to baseball, it was funny. My dad had never touched a baseball in his life, never played before. But then he became, you know, the head of Brisbane South Region, of you know, <laughs> director of sport for baseball. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, just the type of guy that would just do anything for me in terms of the sport. And mum was just like the biggest wow. cheerleader. Like she was a stay-at-home mum. 
mum and, and had she's the still ability a cheerleader, to, man. She is the biggest, yeah. like literally with the Sawyer brothers, with everything we do, she's the cheerleader. She's oh. always there, you know? So. You know, it's so interesting because you can tell just by the space that you boys hold in this room, like you've had really good upbringings. You can really, mm. you've had a really good chance and opportunity very in life. But a, a question before we get into the parenting side of things, because I'm assuming you're not engaged, are you? But you got to go. I'm married. Oh, you're married. Yep. Any yeah, see, that's happened since then Fuck as well. Me. No, no kids. No, no kids. kids. You're you're engaged. Fiance, yeah. Fiance, and you're TikToking the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get married in August. Wow. Yes, sir. Dude, that's awesome. Yes, sir. Keen. But Very I'm curious. Keen. Like, let's talk a social question for a second. I was having this conversation with my um, my ex-wife the other day. And because my son's kind of going through the stage where he doesn't want to go to jiu-jitsu, he doesn't want to go to taekwondo, he doesn't want to go to, you know, um, these things. And mm. she's going, well, I'm just thinking about letting him make his own decisions. I'm like, he's six. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's not that there's anything wrong with giving kids a level of free will, but sure. I was like, one of the things, I have this belief that I think every, I think sports should be compulsory mm. with every child, mm. just so that they learn a level of discipline around um, expressing en energy to yep. a point of pain yep. so that they can familiarize themselves with that level of discomfort. Yep. So my question really is, again, it's more of a social question. Do you think sports should be, because I'm listening, listening to you mm. guys, there's no wonder you're successful. Great upbringing, you know, incredible discipline, grit, and obviously a, an interest in business. You've clearly had a lot of success. But I would be curious from your perspective, how much of your success today, your ability to maintain and sustain, is actually related to your sporting early sporting days? So much of it. All of it. Like Yeah, I would say a lot. Like Personally, um, with track, you're a one-man team. Like yeah. There's no team apart from you and your coach. It's like business. It's like business, yeah. man. So you're pretty much like riding the wave by yourself. So um, it taught me a lot about structure, discipline, dealing with you know your ment mental capacity, your mental state. When you're, you know, like what I said before, when you hit that 300-meter mark and you've got three hurdles to go, your mind goes a few places. Yeah. It goes either I'm going to collapse full of lactic acid and not continue to the next 100 meters or I'm like, let's do let's do this. Let's do this for my family, for me, for blah, 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 blah. So like it, structure actually, uh, sorry, sport actually taught me a lot about structure and being disciplined yeah. and actually combating some of my mind, my mental my mental Leaning thoughts. into the pain, you know, as yeah. well. Like just being able to teach yourself. As you talked about pain, like it's true. Like you go through so much when you're playing sport and the ability to be able to lean into that and understand it and then also recognize it and move forward, that's so important. You and know? it's such important aspects of pain because when you talk about, when you look at sporting pain, it's like 360 degrees because you've got mm. the physical pain, mm. you know, of pushing yourself, the physical pain of injury, the mental mm. pain of, you know, loss, the, 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 in some cases, social pain of being humiliated and teased. And, you know, there are so many aspects of pain, but which looking at you boys has been an incredible part of forging your journey. Yeah, yep. you get used to pain though as well. So like, you know, when you do 10 rounds of 400s, you yes, well. you've yeah. got lactic I'm acid. To pain. Mm. Yeah, mm. and then the next session you try and do 15 laps yeah. of 400 meters and it's like the same thing. So for us, like we've got 20 stores, let's push that to 30 mm. stores. But why are you addicted to pain? Like what is it that you find? I find that it helps you? me get out of my comfort zone mm. and that's where I learn more about myself. Yes. Um, and that's where I feel like I can start leveling up. Yeah. Mm. Um, I When I'm not out of my comfort zone i really don't level up i'm literally just doing the same thing day in day out but as soon as it's weird like when we do a store opening we're outside of our comfort zone because like it's out of the norm like it's not like our normal day-to-day -day office procedures yeah. right but then when we open up a store we're out of our comfort zone and then when we leave that next monday in the office everyone's pumped purely for the fact that we're out of our com we're out of our comfort zone last week so you're going to get a different sam and ben next week because like we're ready to roar 
I don't know. So it just teaches me like how to just get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Mm. Love I it. Think naturally with pain, like it's that time where you can doubt yourself, but it's that, it's that feeling of overcoming that. That's mm. the, that's like, as I said, that's the addictive nature of it. it. Like, yeah, can I actually, I did do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I can do that next yeah. time. So like you only really need to, what I figured <clears throat> out in business and in life is you only really need to go thing, through things once. Cause once you go through it once mm. you realize it's not as bad as what you thought it was. And mm. then you like, you're nearly chasing that next thing. Mm. So like you can see that like you, there is a slight, probably addictive personality to you in a way especially have you found any transcendent qualities in pain and again the reason i'm asking is because of the sporting background and one of the things i've noticed personally is when you surrender to pain like you legit not just i'm dealing with it i'm Mm. resilient and i'm going to push you at that point where you can go okay i surrender all pain have you ever had that moment either on the track or somewhere where all of a sudden you just transcend everything and it's like everything just dissolves away and you just find a space where you feel like you can't stop yeah, I'd say so. Like even in business. Just looking at your face when I said that, I could yeah. see you recording. Well, yeah, because I'm like, I'm like, go back to track. It's like, yeah. okay, you need to do a 400 meter hurdles. You know that when that you hit that 300 meter mark, you're going to be done. Mm. So like you need to surrender to that. And then if you surrender to that, you're like, well, I know it's already coming up. So just deal with it and you'll be at the end of the, in the next 10 seconds. In business, it's the same sort of thing. Mm. When you forecast problems, you know that it's going to be a problem. You know with that problem, there's going to be pain. But when you surrender to that pain, it ends up being okay. Mm. Because you become completely vulnerable. You reach steady state. You yeah. know what I mean? You just reach that steady state of just being able to deal with it. And I think it's important for people to, who's listening, because some people might be listening and go, well, I've never fucking done sport. What do I have to fucking That's do sport right. now to become Gaming. successful? <laughs> well, it's anything. Like anything that produces pain, exactly. I, I think provides us with that opportunity. You know, I still remember my very first mentor. Uh, when I met him on the Gold Coast, it was my very first meeting. This was a life-changing meeting. I haven't, I haven't talked about this for a very long time. I had a meeting within 45 minutes. He said to me, okay, do you know what your biggest problem is? I was like, what? He goes, your life is based around protecting yourself and avoiding pain. And he had a conversation with me. He goes, I want you from the, just for the next week, every time you feel a discomfort, just fucking do it anyway. Mm. And cool. that thing changed my life because I literally got to the point where every, and by the way, I'd already had it intrinsically in me. He just pointed it towards the direction of business. I had it in the area of sport, you know, combat, you know, of, you know, other areas. But when I put it in business, I was like, <gasps> but the moment I started leaning in, Fuck me, the magic that can happen. Again, pain pain creates innovation as well. Like that's what people awakening. forget is like pain yeah. creates innovation and, and 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 pressure is sometimes privilege in a way as well. Like pressure you know what is I mean? Privilege. You know what I mean? Like you gotta understand you're putting yourself under that pressure and you're doing it for a reason, you know. You, know, you so, look at Federer in the in the finals of a of a Wimbledon. That's fucking easy. Yeah. He's he's earned the right exactly. to have that level. People go, Oh, it's massive pressure. Yeah, but yeah. you have yeah. earned the right exactly to it. have that kind of pressure. It's exactly. like a relationship as well. Like mm. when you break up with someone, that pain that you feel is terrible, but then if you surrender to that that pain the next relationship that you have might oh, be far better yeah because you like you've already felt that pain so like true. you know what i mean like i'm trying to think of some for your audience for oh, to benefit yeah. your audience you like i'm like yeah. how like from their end like because you know I, I had a friend who recently just went through a breakup and it, he he's finally surrendered to the pain and then i know for a fact that his next relationship will be far better oh, yeah because he's dealt with the pain before and he probably never wants to feel like that again. You know, it's like, interesting. Jason De Silva, you know Jason De Silva? Great oh, filmmaker on, on social. He's now doing his own stuff. He did this um, video the other day on um, relationships, intimate relationships at death practice. Mm. Because you know, you know, the harder you lean in, mm. you know at some point there's going to be a massive return in pain. There's going to be a <laughs> massive loss. Yep. And even the thought of that massive loss in some cases brings people you know, a clenching fist to the pit of their stomach. And that's often what we pursue is, fuck it, I'm going to just do it anyway, mm. you know, and just go through that. Pain. I think people forget that that's actually what they're sometimes chasing as well, yeah. is that feeling, like, you know what I mean? It makes you feel like you're actually there it's, and you're it's in so it. It's so interesting that this is the theme of this conversation quite heavily so far, because when we look at so many aspects of life and performance in any area, the thing that prevents people from doing the greatest things that they can do 
is pain. Mm. And mm. the inability to regulate the pain and the biological and the biochemical and the psychological responses that it breeds for us. 100%. Mm. But when I look at you guys, you guys just seem so chill. <laughs> you seem so calm. <laughs> You're like eight years in there. You've got 20 stores. Everything's going well. Mm. But has there been any moments where the shit has hit the fan? Because I know oh, you boys shit. love to do like naked oh, ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, oh, yeah. It was not to the naked ads. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't take our shirts off anymore. I think, I think we're getting too old. People don't recognize you unless you've got your shirts off, boys. <laughs> Pretty much. We rock up to a meeting and they're like so why is your shirt on and it I'm like because you're a prospective franchisee <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why I'm buying I'm buying the brand yeah yeah. I think look as I said since, we, since we've since we last sort of spoken I think that there's a lot happened over the last couple of years and it's something that we haven't really spoken to anyone about and I don't I, I, I don't know if we're going to like brush over it too much or, or go real deep with Up it because it's guys. something that honestly we'll we haven't really discussed with anyone outside of our partners and even our direct family yeah. but um, you know, we, we went through a process uh, at the start of 2018 uh, where we had um, potential investors coming through into the brand to, to take us globally. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that um, that's a process for any small business that, that, that can be very exciting, but I think that you can also get caught up in the excitement. Intoxicating. It, it, intoxicating is probably a better word for it. And I mm. think that um, that was definitely one of the feelings that we probably went through, one of the emotions we went through to, to come out the other end of that without what we expected to happen and, and get through the back end of that was definitely something that I think has made us, you know, strong, stronger people and stronger businessmen and something mm. that, um, you know, as I said, we haven't gone through with that investment. So you could probably only understand, I guess, the depths that we probably went through with that. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's a time where- Yeah, like our resilience muscle has gotten- Fab. I'm so <laughs> glad. Yeah. Because last time I spoke to you, you guys were like, yeah, everything's pretty good. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. give me something yeah. juicy. It's yeah. super interesting though. Like whenever yeah. we talk to a successful business person like yourself or someone else, like they're like, tell me the ugly part. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and up until this one, I don't think you guys- We really weren't, had. man. Yeah. Everything yeah. was hunky-dory. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. Oh, so yeah. good. Very Which lucky. is great. But like, we're super fortunate that we went through that now. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. last year, we didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And we were like- holy shit like can yeah. we actually do this mm. and then it's only now at the start of this year we're like okay we can see the light like let's keep moving yeah we've got an incredible brand incredible store owners we have incredible innovation mm. let's just keep pushing keep yeah pushing. when you when yeah. you put on the put on the edge of potentially losing everything that you ever had mm. you know i think that's when you and you also when you you know spent at this point what six seven years building mm. Mm. and i think that's where the point i said where pain you know pain creates innovation as well mm. i think that like where we were where 2019 sort of happened for us is that we, we we had time to sit back and really evaluate where we are one as people one as a brand one as our relationship and what we're actually trying to achieve now because if we didn't dig in last year and and, and sacrifice a lot then we wouldn't have been here in 2020 and we knew that so yeah. you know that if we're, we're here talking today in 2020 we're fine so yeah. don't worry about us but <laughs> yeah. um you know the current franchises yeah, it's yeah, okay yeah it's fine don't worry yeah. but yeah to, for 2019 was one of those years where i think we definitely um we definitely learned a lot about ourselves you know it's interesting because i've i don't know if this is the, the, the scenario but i'll share a scenario with i've seen a number like probably a couple dozen times where people do what you guys do they build up their brand they build up a business and all of a sudden an investor or a potential buyer comes mm -hmm. on the scene mm -hmm. and then there's all, all of a sudden there's the, the potential of bigger money mm. and it just fucks them right up like mm. literally and in some cases a transaction if it doesn't go through and again, please correct me if I'm wrong. It takes a little bit of a while for recovery because it takes your eye off the ball from being the mission to, in some cases, the money. Is that what happened with you yeah. guys? Yeah. You've nailed it. Yeah, yeah, right. You've nailed it. We were sold the fluffy dream yep. and the mm. dream that two young entrepreneurs would like to be sold 
So yeah. we were like, we surrendered to that. We're like, okay, these guys have built X amount over the last 50 years of business. These guys know what they're talking about. So we created this halo effect on that mm. individual. So everything that they said was like gospel. Yeah. Mm. And when we rip it all down now, we're like, oh my goodness. How like they're just very that? good <laughs> salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think we're both like naturally trusting guys. And yep. I think that that's probably, you know, a very strong quality and great quality to have, but it's also like one that can leave you open. And I think that um, it was definitely a time <clears> that we left ourselves very open and and, and probably should have uh, looked at the situation better at times where we didn't, you know. Something that I had to learn how to develop uh, through a number of different lessons was um, curiously polite skepticism. Like in situation, because I just like you guys, I used to be the most trusting motherfucker in the world, mm -hmm. you know, and I've got you know my fair share of scars on the rear end to show for Could it imagine. but the reality was i was like okay i just i just can keep learning my lesson and the fact that you guys have taken you know this long it's great but mm. the lesson i learned from that scenario was just to take the lesson mm. and not <laughs> not let it repeat exactly yeah. and that's yeah. something that we we now know i guess as i said like or i said it before like you only really need to go through something once to yes. really truly understand and yeah. we're, we're not going to go through that again do you yeah. know what i mean like we we've learned now and we understand the processes we understand how it should look yeah. and 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 how it should feel and also the value of your independence as well because mm. you are so much more valuable when mm. you don't need anyone i think um yeah. like and also like having more faith in us yeah like man like we just had no faith in us mm. like we were just like oh these guys know what they're doing because of i know i can tell you why what they built. you know why were, and it's not you don't have any faith it's not that you don't have faith you've got a level of faith that's at a ceiling and i can tell you why just in a short brief history of your time sure you guys have never fully been challenged mm. like until last year mm. and it's true if that's your biggest challenge then you're going to be not really sure of where your ceilings are for being able to deal with yeah. rapid massive big change yep and yep. so, if anything, I'd be like, and I wouldn't be going, learn that lesson once you will, but mm. I'd be looking for more lessons just like that one. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I think it's more the, the fact that I just don't think we'll put ourselves in that particular situation. Oh, I totally agree. No, no, I, totally, I totally agree. But we, it's just, we yeah. might do more DD on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Due diligence, a lot of, you know, polite skeptic, polite, comp, uh, curious skeptic. What is it? Curious yeah, skepticism. Curiously polite skepticism. Curiously polite skepticism. I like it. So I like very that. curious. That's a shirt. Polite. Just put that on <laughs> yeah, a shirt. Know, right? That's a very good <laughs> shirt. Skeptical. Exactly. You've got to be. You got to be, and it gets to the point where you really enjoy being not skeptical, but just asking the questions that no, that you want to ask that nobody would, mm. you know? Because oh, I can't ask. Look, these guys are professionals. We can't ask them that question. Like fucking ask them anything. Mm. Mm. No, exactly. Well, they're just people, right? So like, we're all just. People. I think you, I think in every transaction, you've all got something to bring to the table as well. Mm. Don't ever forget the value of of who you are as a person. Yep. And um, I definitely think there are times where we probably forgot our value, our true value of what we brought to the so table. So were there so. some times in the last two years where you literally, and it sounds like there were, where you were literally like, fuck, I don't know if we're actually going to get through mm. this oh mm. multiple mm. like multiple multiple, multiple times, times. And I think even not just the ones from the outside looking in probably would have said that as well like yeah, so it's right. not just us going oh we're really hard on ourselves you know and it's a really tough situation there was a lot of people from the outside that we were, we were leaning on as well for support and and help and direction as well yep. because they've either got either gone through it or they yeah, right. that they just understand the process a bit better it's one thing to look at yourself and go fuck i'm mm. fucked and mm. another thing to show it to someone else and go yep you're fucked <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> you're <laughs> fucked. yeah, yeah. yeah. assessment correct that third party yeah. opinion yeah. <laughs> something else to then go I'm going to turn it around anyway. Mm. Yeah, look, mm. even at the darkest moment, we still had faith. Yeah. Like, we okay, still had yeah. faith. It wasn't yeah. like we're going to give up. It's no. like, dude, how I can just, we just get through this? Yeah. Like, surely there's a way. So, we what did creative. you, like, again, again, you don't have to share. What did you do to get through? Like, if there's a lesson just, from this outside of the philosophy. Yeah. Well, like, one, just, like, I think we know more about our financial model mm, better than ever. Because mm, I think, like, for, like, Great a lot lesson. of business owners out there, it's it's like, 
You think Le- you lesson number one, like actually understand your financial model and then you can build. Mm. Um, so we we hired like 15 staff members. Kerwin, because we were told to. Because you know we were told I mean? to. Yeah. And then, you know, 2019 hit and we're like, guys, like we actually, when we pulled away from the deal, we can't afford these staff members. So then we had to fire and fire and fire and fire. And then- We're left for three of us. We're left for three of us, right? Yeah. And so like that there, we we learned a lot. Oh. And then we learned a lot about our bottom line and then our financial model as franchisors. Yeah. And then- We sold things, we hustled, we we found a way to make money to pay bills. You know what mm. I mean? That's all it was, it's all it got to was a point where it's like, okay, well, what's the next bill? How much do we owe? Like, how much is it? Okay, cool. All what right, do we, we got to do? Like, we got to sell, we got laptops. Cool, let's sell laptops. You know, we need to, um, you know- f- Need to work on the corner? Yeah, work on the corner? Yeah, work on the corner. Yeah, like it's- Red's due, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like your mod we, yeah, like we, we did whatever we had to do. You know what I mean? We, we did, we, obviously, yeah. in, in the right way. We yeah, never had to doing the wrong thing. But at the same time, um, yeah, we just found ways to make it work. And also, as I said, we just also, it, it gave us more time to really look at the brand from a different way. And we started mm. looking at things that we never looked at before um, because Such we as, had to look you, at it. What did you look at? Well, well just like, like, I mean, personally, like we, we looked at our business as a actual business mm-hmm. uh, rather than like Benny's and Sam's brand that we've built from, you know, the grandma's kitchen. Mm. You know, it's like we actually looked at it as a business and go, okay, well, this is our model. How can we improve our model? Mm. And like finally we separated ourselves from the business and then we were actually like, cool, let's start being more commercial now rather than like, yeah, like this is just entrepreneurship and innovation. Like we're actually looking at Asaya Brothers now as a business yeah. and we're taking it very seriously. It's just finding ways uh. to make the company more money. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and when you do that, you start to really create some interesting things where you look at it and you go, actually, that could be the future of our brand now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we've done that. Like we really believe coming into 2020 we've we've created you know a couple of new models for the brand for example that we're like this is actually where i feel like our brand should be heading now do you know Mm. what i mean that just all came out of the 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 place of being where we're like we need to find a way to make more money yeah do you know what i mean and that's where that's where that came from yeah you get creative that's for sure financial models are so important but almost nobody looks at their financial model and even Mm. less people look at their finances oh it scares me the last time i went through um and don't get me wrong i wouldn't say i'm the best person in the world at this but it's something that we do a lot with our clients is we look at their financial model we go okay how are you making money where's the money coming from what's the profitability how much does it cost you know etc 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 but um, the last time I did exactly what you boys did, I went from four million to thirty this year. Well done. Like, but again, all I looked at was where are we making money? How are we making money? Went well from done. seven different events to one. Oh yeah. You know, and like so just rule, on that, right? Yeah. Like, so we have twenty stores now. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So we have twenty stores now, and in the month of December and January. In history of owning a Sire Brothers, we've done the highest turnover ever, go. and we have less stores yeah. than ever. Fuck, I would you know, just want to like, isn't that just amazing? Yeah. Like for us, like we we're looking at our data That's and we're just like, this is amazing. We've yeah. got great store owners, quality over quantity, and the brand is just getting stronger and stronger mm. and stronger. Mm. And we have less stores, dude. Like, surely that's a sign. We're starting to see the trends as well. We're at that five, six year mark where you can start to look back on the, the historical data. And it's like, this is what this is the fun part now of being in business where you're like, okay, I can see that yeah. now. I can see the trend. Oh. And like that's what we're starting to see now, like with our brand. It's like, for mm-hmm. one, it's like 80% of our sales are bolts. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are we... You know, you know, we got to listen to our franchisees. Don't get me wrong; we're constantly listening to them and innovating off the back of their their, their thought process as well. But you also got to sometimes just look at the data and be like, you know, why are we not doubling down in certain areas? Mm. And then, you know, seventy percent of the bowls that we sell are one bowl. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like, oh, you know, how do, we how do we how do we create something now that's just based on that product, for mm. example? Because the fact is that if we can, like, there's there's three things right now. We're in hospitality franchising, right? And there's three things that really kill hospitality. One is is the lease, the rent. Mm-hmm. Right, 
the next one is our, our cost of goods and the next one is staff labor. So if we can look at those three things and we can find solutions for those three things. So what's the solution for, you know, rent? Well, we, we go smaller. You know what I mean? So how do we go smaller? Well, we, we make the systems simpler. We make the menu simpler. And now we look at products that are now only five or six products instead of 30 products where we need a big kitchen. And what mm. that does in, you know, innately is that we now have less staff labor as well. Mm. Now we've got less staff labor because we're now moving to a, a more of a machine concept, for example. And, and how do we also decrease staff labor again? We, we look at self-serving for customers, for example. We have kiosks, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and this is cost of goods. How do we do it? We work on creating products like we're working on our, our smoothie cubes and things like that at mm. the moment where mm. like we can save on, on on fresh fruit and veg and other ways to to still make make money that we need and hit the margins that we need to hit so it's like we're starting to look at all these areas and be like okay well how do we fix it how do we fix that and that's where this new models is you know sort of being built out of do you know the, the keyword that was said to me because I love it when someone just gives you a phrase and it goes fucking yeah. and the phrase that was given to me that you're epitomizing is less moving parts yeah oh yeah the less moving parts less is more simpler mm. the easier the more effective, efficient, productive, yeah. mm. cost-effective. And that sounds like what you boys did. You literally well, we, moved out, pulled out all the fucking moving parts, went like, what's, what's our core machinery? Exactly. Mm. And we, we find that now. Like, we have three staff members, myself, Ben, and our digital designer, and then obviously we subby out some other staff. But, like, the brand's as best it's ever been. Mm. <laughs> and we have less people? staff. And less headaches. And less yeah. headaches. And it's like, like the difference between looking after three baby, three fucking four-year-olds versus looking after mm. 15 four-year-olds. Yeah. I know, I know a lot of people say like, obviously it's, it's, it's important to hire yet. and get people who do things better than you, but it's also important to be able to learn to do a lot. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like the fact is that like, we've taught ourselves so many important skills. You know every aspect of your Every business. aspect. You've done every business. role. Every, 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 so every role. Do you know what that makes you? fucking great leaders and managers because yeah. you know the role and no one can hoodwink you. You yeah, can't exactly, be bullshitted. Yeah. You can look at them. You can look at the data. You know, one thing that we're big on as well is data-driven decision-making. So yeah, it can be intuitive, but let's have, let's have a data case as well. But um, yeah, that sounds super interesting. Makes a lot of yeah. sense. I mean, we have 20 store owners, right? So like we consult is, 20 store owners yeah, on a month-to-month basis. On a month-to-month basis, yeah. So like you guys, you guys are fucking, you guys know how to hustle because I do remember one story that you were telling me about where you had a freezer breakdown or something. What was that story? <laughs> oh, oh, we've had many, man. But like, <laughs> uh, we, we should talk about our, our first store. I think that's like, I that's think a, that might that's, have been it. It would have been it. I think that, that would have been think, it. Um, you know, when we, we, obviously people don't know that Asai Brothers started in Wellington Point, which is out in the Redlands and um, both of us owned our gyms at that time and we, th- we we started obviously seeing the acai trend popping up and a lot of a lot of clients would come in and then mention to us you know and what's this acai like is it good for me and and and, and obviously back then we you'd look into everything because you want to be able to give them at least some sort of feedback on their nutrition and um that's when so we this started is how seeing acai was this born. is where this is where acai this is how was right, born a lot of people were asking you as yeah. as, as like as your advisor as a health advisor exactly it. Oh, yeah, exactly right. it. and there's a lot of cafe like acai funny people don't know acai's been in in australia now for nearly 15 years i think so like it's actually thing, um, like, and just add to add to that for your audience like it's been around for thousands of years yeah. but it wasn't actually introduced to western world until the early 1990s yeah and it was introduced to the western world via surfers in brazil because they were adding it to their smoothie drinks and adding it to their bowls they and then grana in it and they'd use it like a pre-workout or like an energizing yeah, right. to like regain extra energy yep. and then like these guys were like sitting on the beach and then it got like it was like a natural viagra and then as soon as you start labeling something a natural Viagra, man, it's going to be trending. Yeah, right. Right. So then it started to trend and then it started to turn into smoothies and, and bowls. It pretty and then it started looking pretty. Because like obviously in Brazil, like the people might not know, they use this on like, you know, river fish. Like, you know what I mean? It's like acai is a fruit from the Brazilian Amazon and, and it's actually one of the only fruit in the world without any fructose in it. So it's not naturally sweet at all. So it's actually very bitter. So a lot of them use it for, for completely different uses than what we use it for like today. fish food. 
it, literally you could use it as a source on fish like they used it oh, as a medicinal yeah gotcha. like a source right. so yep. they, they'd use it uh, a medicinal properties as well like obviously mm. in the amazon itself it was used on you know for skin conditions for ulcers it was used for fevers it was used for um you know a multiple array of different uses so um people forget that they just think it always started as a bowl it's not how it mm. started it just developed like that over time the west that's the western it's the this western, is the western way of doing western it yeah because it's yeah. high in vitamin e's omegas uh, proteins antioxidants so what are the major health benefits of acai like for the normal everyday joe look it's great for gut health as i said it's mega high in antioxidants more than a, you know a blueberry blue or anything berry, yeah. like that um it, it's it's obviously for, yeah i can't sit here and claim that it does everything but obviously it's great for heart conditions they say you know great for your skin as i said great for gut health it, it's they've used great for it for pre and post workout it's a bit decreasing of prostate enlargement it's, yeah no yeah, kidding all these different it's a, it does jack you up a little bit doesn't it mm. it does because yeah, i'm does. quite a sensitive fellow i notice if i have it on an empty stomach and i don't have acai very often but i'm like it's like a ca- it's it like a cup of out. coffee mm, it does I'm like, well i mean on that we had three liters one year in one sitting and that was like a cup of coffee you had three liters. <laughs> we did it as like a we, we we launched our liter bowl challenge this is back in like 2016 yeah. and we launched it and we said look you know you guys only have to do a liter we'll do three so we just said like in the in, in literally in this video we ate three liters of acai and I I was throwing up purple in the bathroom. Sam was lying <laughs> no, on the I couch was, with I the was biggest food baby. I was pregnant for like seen. a week. I swear it was. Oh, so yeah. it affected you for a week. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Our bad. stools were like yeah. purple for like a week. I swear, like literally. <laughs> how long were you like eating beetroot? How long did you sleep? Uh, did you ever sleep for the next? Oh <laughs> yeah, I think we did. Did you ever sleep again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I haven't slept since 2015. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, was, like it, it's it's yeah, it's high in antioxidants, great vitamins yeah. in there, good omegas. Like it's great. Yeah, it's actually it's it's an easy good. delivery. Exactly. Fatty acids. Yeah, yeah. Exactly yeah. And so you guys heard the saw the trend, and then how did you guys connect the dots together? Well, that's where that's where we were. We were at New Year's in 2013, and we were were as we say, we always say have come a couple of cordials. I think it was um, you know the Carlton Zeros, no alcohol in there now. So like <laughs> we were having a drink and we were just chatting about you know different things. And and at the time we actually started talking about acai. And I was like, man, I had a, I had a client come in and they were talking more and more about acai. And have you heard of it before? And Sam was like, you know what, I've I've heard of it before. I've never tried it. And I was like, actually, there's a couple of cafes that are, you know trying it and they just have a bowl on the menu. Like we should go go give it a crack and you know i don't i don't think any of them are really just like focusing in on on acai itself like i wonder if we you know maybe we create something and we called it a superfood bar like we should create like a a superfood bar where it's just just acai and um at that time we sort of looked at each other and we said yeah let's do it that sounds like a great idea and then obviously just like anything it sort of you know dissipates a little bit over time but then you know at the start of the new year we we caught back up and we started talking about it more and more and we'd we trained together every single day this is 2000 uh, start of 2014 14 now yep, yep. Started 2014 and we're trained together every single day now and we'd, we'd talk more about the concept and we kept coming up with all these crazy ideas and the names and how it would look and how it would feel. It's all those things like I think both of us are very visual people. So at first we always try to visualize what the brand might look like and feel like before we go ahead and create it. Some people are the opposite. They might focus on the financial end and what that all looks like. We were more from the visual. So once we got the vision and, and, and it all started to look you know, you know know special, that's when we really got motivated. And I remember one time Sam called me and he goes, you know, are we actually going to do this? Or we're that just was in keep April. About it? So that was four months after New Year's. I fucking love that. You know what I mean? Like everyone does this. Yeah. yeah. It's like they create, like they want to do something, but then they don't do it. Yeah. And then four months later, I remember like but we called. How call- good is your awareness to pull yourselves up and go, fucking, what are we going to do? Are we going to talk mm. about this or shit or get off the pot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's Literally. exactly right. Yeah. Literally. And we got off the pot, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it was full of purple shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> we were forecasting the pain of the three liter bowl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like we called each other and we're like, dude, 
dude, are we actually going to do this or not? And then, so we said, yes, let's do it. So then we caught up the next day and we said, all right, let's list out a plan of attack and let's plan this all out. Let's, what's our next step? Mm. Well, two gym goers diving to the hospitality industry is chalk and cheese, right? So it's very different industries to start off with. It's like, where do we even begin? So we started calling our competitors and finding out what types of equipment they were using in order to make a bowl or a smoothie. Literally, we'd call them and be like, you know, uh, we're just, we're making a smoothie at home and, um, you know, they're just, the the normal domestic stuff isn't cutting it, you know? Like we just, we really need something to really, you know, it's not cutting through. Yeah, watch the commercial gear that you use. We really, you know, we we, we might get a commercial blender at home. They're like, yeah, yeah, I think it's a a Vitamix. you know what i mean so like that's literally how we did it we just kept going through the equipment at the time and um yeah eventually we we got a bit of a list of equipment and then we we paid for the equipment and we sent it to uh sam's grandma grandparents house we went downstairs in the kitchen and invited sam's mom my dad and you know we're all over and we had at the time we found a lady that um had specialized in in superfoods out of thailand at the time and we recommended her and um, she was known for menu creation and working with some of these ingredients before. So she actually helped us conceptualize and put together our very first menu. And we, we sat there and we created this menu for our parents. And I remember it clear as day because Sam's best mate as well, Mitch was there. And uh, we make our first juice on this cold press machine that take like 10 minutes to make a juice and we hated making oh. it. We're like, this has got to be a faster way. And we make this product and we hand it to our parents and they, they would take a bite or they take a sip and they look at us and they go, Uh, are you sure you want to do this? Literally, that's literally the words oh, out of yeah. their mouth. And uh, my, my mate today, he still he still believes that he never said that. <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, no man, I said you were gonna fucking crush it. <laughs> I said, bro, no, you said that. Like, it's been like embedded in my mind in man. our brains. We remember because <laughs> we remember looking at each other and we're going. Oh, fuck. oh, what have we done? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then we started going like, all right, how many juices or bowls do we need to sell yes. each day to yes. freaking break even? And so like, we're like, okay, we need to make $687 each day. And we're like, bro, like that's a lot of product. Mm-hmm. Like in Wellington Point in Redlands, like the average age is like 80, right? So like, are they actually going to buy our product? And at so, this time as well, like we'd, we'd just come up, I remember because I, I was driving in the car and I came up with the name and it was Asaya Brothers. And I was, cause I was thinking, I was like, brothers, brothers, you know, we call each other brother and there's tomato brothers, brothers. There's tomato brothers <laughs> and in the Redlands, like there's all these great brands with brothers. What, what about Asaya Brothers? And I was like, perfect. I'm ringing cold. Sam. I'm ringing Sam. I rang him. I told him the name and then Sam was like, I love it. I love it. I was like, meet me at Nando's in Wellington Point. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to draw, I, I got an idea for the logo. So we caught up in Nando's and everyone at that time, Nando's is the place, you know, and we, we met in Nando's and I'm sitting there drawing the logo and I, I, I draw it up and I flick the logo over to one of my um, sign writers who did some stuff for me with the gym. And within like, 30 minutes they had got us back like the, the, the mocked up version of our logo which is the exact logo still today wow. and we had it there and we're looking at it we had the name and we're just like this is it like we just we just need a site like we just need a site and if you go to nando's at wellington point and you look out the window you'll see our very first store no yeah it was full lease it was 20 square meters it was sitting there like literally plain as day and we just looked at it and i knew the guy on the actual lease sign it was nathan moore and, and he'd, he'd leased me my gym so i knew him i had him on my phone so i was like oh, I, got, oh. I got this i've got to give him a call oh, we called him we, he came and yeah. met us there we, we we had a look at it we signed the lease that day and the next day we started building the store 
Fuck. We signed yeah. a lease without actually knowing what we were <laughs> yeah, we'll signing, signing without yeah. getting a lawyer to read it. Yeah. yeah. Did that yeah. come back to bite? No. No, no okay, thank goodness. Lucky. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. Luckily. No, but it was the same thing. But we it's, sitting you know, it was from we... there as well. Like, you know, we signed this lease and then we started to fit out the store and all of these types of things. And then we're like, okay, let's start ordering the ingredients pre-opening. Mm. And so we're sitting in the kitchen and we're like, okay, so what do we need? Michelle. Michelle was the, the chef that we hired. And she's like, okay, so you need to start off with bananas. And so we start off with bananas and she goes, okay, so order 10 boxes of bananas so we ordered 10 boxes oh, of bananas God. and that's 100 kilos of bananas Ooh. and we're like that's one ingredient this is 25 square meters dude like how are we going to fit like 100 kilos worth of bananas in this store like how how so then we started getting in contact with the shopping center and we're like hey we need more storage what can you give us so thank goodness uh, she gave us two car parks and within those two car parks we're like well we can start putting in some um some trailers some mobile trailers some mobile freezers so we hired three mobile freezers for the grand uh, grand opening day and those three mobile freezers were 330 dollars each mobile freezer it's about 990 dollars per week in freezer space oh. that we had to pay for for the first three months wow. um, just because we didn't have the storage. Had, we just had no idea. We just had no idea. Like two gym guys going into hospitality is not, like, I would not re recommend that on but, anyone. But here's a common theme I seem to be hearing throughout your lives, but I'm just curious how connected you guys are to it. Like how much has intuitive flow played a level of um, assistance or how, how much has that been a part of your life? Because I get the sense that you guys are fucking really tuned into flow. Like mm. things just seem to kind of just, oh shit, look, oh, oh <laughs> Nando's, there's a store. Oh, great. Oh, here's some there. Oh, we'll sign it now. Definitely. I think, yeah, I think, I think at that time it was yeah, very especially high. in the startup process, I think we were Gosh, just, I think that so was, that, that's when it really happens. And I yes. think that you just, we were, we were, so confident in our abilities that we just let it happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And as it happened, we just we just jumped on it. Do you know what I mean? We didn't let it pass us by. So every single moment we would mm. jump on it. And and as I said, like it, it, it because we were like that, we were opening ourselves up to more. And yeah. because we open ourselves up to more, you know, when you do that in, with anything in life, you're gonna, you know, people are gonna help you out. You're gonna and we had a stuff. lot of faith in ourselves. Like we just did. Like yeah. even like doesn't matter how hard naive, it's gonna be. It was nearly people would say it's naive. Yeah. But, but like we're, even when like that, my mate Mitch said, dude, this is not gonna work. Like what are you doing? It was like, no, 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 it's going to work. Like, it's just going to work. Even that's your closest friend saying that wow. feedback to you. Like, there's just deep intuition where it's like, no, this you is going to work, it. man. 100%. So how much do you guys trust that? Is that something that you guys talk about, connect to? Yeah, is like over the last five years, Cohen, I've learned that to listen to my gut way more than my head, yeah. way more. Yeah. Um, and when I when we were going through the investor process, which is what we touched on before, I listened to my head yeah. instead of my gut. Was your gut talking? My gut was talking, man, and it was saying what what, what ended up being the result, yeah. which is like just don't do it. Yeah. But my head was like, no, no, give this a crap. Each moment, so each moment, I think that we did something in that process. I think we were sort of like double guessing it. Yeah. And when you get to that point where you, you know, you're starting to double guess it, I think you got to really evaluate it. We just didn't do that. Yeah. Man, you know when your mum used to say, "Listen to your gut." Like, man, that 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 statement is so true. For everything. So true for everything. Yeah. Like right now, like my gut's saying, this is an amazing podcast. <laughs> my, you know, and my head's saying, you know, this is an amazing now. podcast. <laughs> so. But it's interesting because Napoleon Hill talks about this fascinating, um, I guess you'd call it a circumstantial situation or occurrence that when people find their thing, oftentimes in the initial stages, they'll find massive levels of flow as almost like a universal sign to say, okay, you're on the right track, come this way. Mm. But then you reach a point where it's like, okay, you can, you've, you've reached as far as you can with the skills that I brought you to this point on. Yep. Now I need to give you new skills. You don't know what they are yet. Yep. So I'm going to drop this tree in front of you. I'm going to drop a rock on you. Mm. I'm going to drop a rock on your dog. I'm going to mm. do something that's going to mm. cause a level of pain 
which sounds like you guys are now moving into that to that phase. That next yeah, we've, we've learned to deal with pain quite yep. comfortably, but I think, you know, five years ago, we didn't really know no. how to deal with it. And I think that's also the reason why a lot of people don't start their own ventures is because of exactly yeah. that. They're mm. so scared of that pain. They don't know how to deal with it, whether they don't know who to talk to or they don't have a support network around them. So they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick doing what I'm doing. And I think as well, like what you talked about when someone drops a, a rock on your dog, for an example, like I think it's also don't, don't, over overthink that situation mm. sometimes i think you've got to start to sit there and and realize that okay well this is where i'm at like what's what's it look like now moving forward like i think so many people you know just think about the rock hitting the dog and they don't think about why the rock hit the dog or whatever it is you know whatever the or their relationship is. with the, or the relationship with the dog yeah no, no, I mean? no like, the relationship with the dog hitting the, the rock hitting yeah, the dog like, exactly how, what, yeah exactly what does this it. mean to me what am i going to choose as a meaning exactly it exactly it i'm going to assume that you guys um like there seems to be a high level of flow like uh, what do you guys do to develop yourselves outside of just being in business? Because I get a sense you guys are on a bit of a journey as well. Yeah, look, personally, I, I listen to podcasts. Yep. I meditate occasionally. I do yoga and Pilates, weight training. Um, I say those guns were built with yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, yoga is so, yoga's so <laughs> underrated. Oh. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, look, I think I'm just very self-aware, uh, to be completely honest. Like I what is it that's driven that though? Like, was that just how you were brought up? No, I don't think it's the way, like, I think it's been developed. Like this year, I feel way more self-aware than I've ever been before. And mm. I purely, and I honestly think it's because we've gone through so much pain. Like I said to Benny the other day, I said, bro, like, I'm so happy, like holistically, spiritually, mentally, like physically, financially, I'm not like the greatest right now. Like, and we both aren't, and we're happy to talk about it today. But like, but like overall, like I'm just so happy with what we're creating and what we're producing. One. Yeah, just one. Like, one. it's all good. Yeah. Like, yeah. one. It's yeah. amazing. Everything is a bonus for yeah. me. Yeah, I think like you, you got to, as I said, like you got to look at everything. Like, as I said, maybe we, we weren't as successful financially last year, right? But maybe that's one. Yeah, that's one. Measure. That's 100%. one measure. That's one what everyone measure. forgets. That's yeah. one measure. Like from a relationship point of view, both us both you know externally i think that that was yeah. one of the biggest positives that come out of last year like we got to meet some amazing people and we started surrounding ourselves more with mentors for yeah. example like that's something that we never really did you know what i mean like we caught up with stephen marks from guzman white gomez um you know founder of eagle boys we've caught up with yeah like ceo with, of grilled as well grilled. yeah like we've caught up with all these people now and we started to like surround ourselves with these people that have gone through the same things that are becoming mentors for us mm. and we've developed these relationships that i think are going to um so know, often people difference. judge us by our first quarter you know mm. what i mean and you guys are in your first quarter but the, you've got a great team mm. i know? love talking to older people man purely uh, for the <laughs> like it's honestly right? oh my so much better perspective it's incredible like i remember talking to my eight-year-old like my granddad's brother and i was telling him about the journey that we've been on and he was like oh yeah been there a few times <laughs> <laughs> like he was just like like he just like parked it to the left and he was like so what's the problem like move on just keep persevering persevering yeah right and like i was like all right, mate. <laughs> like I had no other don't answer. What do you have? Yeah, and this is like an old school builder. Yeah. Like he's been there, done that, seen the worst, and he's gotten out of it. And he's like, "You'll get through it, man. Don't worry. Just have a lot, a lot and of faith." So many people, like as I said, like Steve Markson, and I had a little bit because if you ever met that guy, that guy is a, you know an intense personality okay. and um, someone who I recommend actually. He um, he was saying like, just keep going. Just keep going, boys. Just keep going. Who's that Steve Marks? Steve Marks is the founder of Guzman Y Gomez. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, just from New York. He's from New York. That's why Ben put on accent. accent. Sorry, you're like, why is he talking (laughs) about this? No, you know something. When he impersonates (laughs) people, it's just American (laughs) accents. I have a habit. Um, but yeah, that's what he kept saying to us. And like, even though we obviously spoke Sorry, about other things. Wh- what did he say? He said, he said, just keep going. Just keep going. Just oh keep my going. God. Just, just keep going, boys. Yeah, right. And um, it, was, it was something that obviously like, 
it, it just it's really humbling nearly in a way when you mm. hear something like that especially from someone that you look up to and mm. it's just like you know it's so true like just stop stop sitting there and whining stop like stop worrying stop stressing like that like we've we've learned so many cool skills like one of the things that i do now is that when when something bad is happening or i feel like something bad is happening for me i need to visualize it so i write it down right so i write everything that could potentially go wrong i want to know what's the worst case scenario out of this scenario everyone everyone thinks they're thinking about it but instead they're thinking about a hundred different things in their head and then that clutters them but what's the worst case scenario I write that down and then I look at it and I go, can I get comfortable in that worst case scenario? How comfortable am I with this? If I'm comfortable with this, then I'm like, Fuck, I can overcome it. Don't worry about it. Stop stressing. You can't mm. change anything. If that's the worst case scenario and you're, you're, not, you're not dead, who cares? Move on. My, my first, oh gosh, my first or third, it was one of them. One of my bigger financial awakenings. Um, I didn't pay tax for a couple of years and then <laughs> it's a good time. To get my shit together <laughs> and get my tax done. This is going back about 15 years ago. And yeah, it turns out I had a million dollar tax bill. Wow. And they gave me a 14 day to pay, wind wow. up notice. And I just wow. remember the time going, fuck, <laughs> what do you do with that? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I did exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. See, I've got a plan B. Yeah. <laughs> just change my name and move to Mexico. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I was like, fucking, all right, what's my worst case scenario? So I literally was like, well, my worst case scenario is bankruptcy. So mm. I literally got on the phone mm. and rang a bankruptcy lawyer and I said, walk me through my bankruptcy yep. if I go bankrupt. He goes, well, you know, you will, you won't lose your house unless if you've got this much equity. And if you don't, you won't lose your car if you've got this much equity. Mm-hmm. And whatever savings you've got, you lose. And, you know, you can discharge yourself within five. And I was like, okay, where's the bad part? Yeah. He goes, yeah. well, you know, you won't be able to probably get finance for at least five years. And I was like, mm, I can make money. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, exactly. I was like, but where's the bad part? He goes, I literally looked, I was like, holy shit, mm. this is a get out of jail free card. Mm. And I literally looked at him and was like, I could literally just press that button and wipe fucking a mm. million dollars worth of debt and start mm. again. But I was like, you know what? I could do that. Yeah. yeah. But fuck it. I'm See, gonna... I, think the, I think that's the issue is that sometimes that is an easy way out as the well. Easy like that's that's That is the easy button. Like, I don't know if you've ever been put in that scenario for people listening, but obviously when you look at liquidation, like, and you talk to them, it's actually not as, not as bad no. as sometimes as what it looks like. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, so I can actually just pay you 10 grand and I can move on. You know what I mean? And like, that's just not a scenario that mm. you should be thinking about though. Yeah, but the I, fact is that, as you said, it's sometimes not as bad once as Once I familiarized think. myself with the, the outcome, I was exactly. like, I can deal with that. Exactly. I can deal with that. And I was like, the fear went from the unknown to, <gasps> and like a month, two months at this point of, ah, stress. Yeah. And then, oh my God, I'm being wound up. And then all of a sudden I was like, fuck, wind me up. Mm. Worst case scenario, I'll just work my ass off, but now I won't be yep. distracted. Yep. Mm. Fucking brilliant. Mm. Um, contingency. I've heard you guys kind of mention that a few times. Are you guys natural contingency planners? Like having plan Bs and Cs? Yes, because you said you had a plan B. That's a... It's actually... Yeah, it's a running joke. Um, <laughs> I don't have a, don't yeah. have a plan A. No, yeah. no, no, no. I have, I have a plan A and that's definitely to try and turn this thing into a beast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, You're I, trying, you're doing it. Yeah, well, look, I, I don't have a plan B, but I know that I'm comfortable that I could go get a job tomorrow. Yeah. I'm comfortable that I could move to Bali and start a content creation company. Like, I, like I'm comfortable let, because let, of let my- Let me ask the question a different way because yes. it's, it's not so much a contingency or any situation. It's more about one of the things that I've, uh, I used to work for Stephen Covey. I don't know if you know who he is. Oh. And um, he wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right. Oh, and nice. I remember I was on a conference call once with uh, a large oil company with about 50 of their international directors. And we we're basically talking about um, there was a mine that they had an oil well or actually 40 oil wells that they had in Africa at the time. And they were talking about all these civil wars that were going on, militia and everything else. And they went, okay, boys and girls. And the guy, one of my clients brought me on for this experience. He goes, um, the lead guy comes on who's a project planner. 
He goes, okay, guys, I just want to walk you through the 120 contingencies that we've come up with. Yeah, right. Uh, in the event that they happen, we have a plan for every single one of them. And most of these contingencies have three to four plans associated with them. But we'll just take you through the contingencies now. <laughs> so if you recognize any of them, that we can deploy the plan to you immediately. Gosh. And I was just sitting there going, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. 100 plus contingencies. Mm. For, you know, literally one operation. And that affected me. Mm. You know, even now, like to give you a context, like even with Corona, we have contingency plans ready to go for yeah. everything that we do. We have And I just, I work that way. Like, I think it's a bit of my PTSD as well. Like I'm constantly prepared for the worst. Mm. But I'm curious within your business, how much time do you guys dedicate to thinking about like your worst case scenario, but coming up with pre-thought out ideas of to, okay, have you ever, what about this happen? Yeah, well, that didn't happen. No, it'll never happen. But what if it did? No, it'll never happen. But if it did... Maybe we should come up with a plan. Do you ever, ever had those conversations? We have. Yep. Uh, I would say like this year has yeah. been the year that we've actually had those conversations, yeah. but the last four years we haven't. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I Great think it's after start. what's happened. Yeah. I think that that's definitely a, a way in which we definitely look at things a little bit differently. Because yeah. as I said, I think we just, as I said, uh, for the first time ever, I feel like we're looking at our business from the outside looking in instead of just being so in it. Yeah. And I think that's been important for us is that we actually take that time to, to step out and see what's happening and how it's working because I think you you can get so caught up in the day-to-day -day and everything and you think that everything's success but when you actually look at it like Steve as I'll use him again Steve Marks used a thing the other day I was listening to in a podcast and he said show me the data though show me the numbers like show me that it's actually working do you know what I mean I don't care that you're emotionally attached to it and you think it's the best thing ever like mm. show me the actual numbers you know and I think that for the first time ever we've just started looking at things and started going okay is that actually working and if it isn't working well what can we actually do there so I think that's the first time since everything's happened over the last maybe like six to 12 months, we've definitely been more that prone. Mm. But before that, being young and, oh. and probably just being successful at nearly most things that we did to some extent, yep. then we just, you know, we never really had a plan B. It was always like a, a plan A for us and that was it. You know, everything we did was a hundred, you know, or nothing. Yep. Not that that's a bad mentality to have. And I think that's not at different. All. Like, and I again, think you gotta to be, be like clear, that. It's not having a plan exactly. B. It's yeah. having plan Bs within your plan A. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. I read an article the other day that. and this lady, I can't remember her name, but she was saying, ask, ask the question why five times on a specific idea or things that you might want to you know, implement throughout your, your brand. So why? And then you got to think of an answer as to why you want to implement it. And then you go again, why? And then you got to think of another answer. And if you can't hit five whys, then don't do it. Wow, I like that. It's pretty that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah really interesting. interesting. So yeah, it's only now this year we've really started to ha like Highly have contingencies. Contingencies. Mm. Yeah. And again, that was the gift that PTSD gave me is I'd be, I'd be constantly scenario planning. I'd walk into a room and I'd know, fuck, and immediately where all the exits were, you know, who were threats. Mm. Like I'd just constantly and I was like, how do I make this useful? And then I start applying it in the business. Mm. Fuck, it just makes you so, so adaptable, important. so responsive. Yeah. So what's next for, for Asai? Like I, I get the sense there's something bigger going on with you boys, like, yeah, like personally. Well, like, I mean, in terms of Asai Brothers, we have a goal to open up another 10 stores this year okay. and we have the goal of hitting internationally. Um, right. The berry's just been approved in Bali. Um, hey. So we really want to hit That's the Indonesian exciting. waters oh. and um, we have some interest in Singapore as well. So okay. we really want to open up 10 more, 10 to 12 more in the Australian yep. market and then, you know, one or two internationally for okay. this year. It's just like that. It's like continual growth now. We just want to make sure that we hit that, that linear growth pattern where we're just, you know, every year getting a bit better and growing more. But as I said, we're just focused more on, you know, our systems now and the implementation of everything and making sure that we roll that out really well as well so yep. picking the right people as you said when you first start a business or start a franchise for example we say that you just hey, say yes to anyone that has a heartbeat you know what i mean and then yeah, eventually you know yeah we did yeah, we did yeah. Yeah. yeah and then eventually you um you know you Man. realize that that doesn't always work to work out for you and um we've just become a little bit more uh, you know not a little bit we become very strict on on the way in which we sort of you know roll people into our brand and we start to look at this is a family for us yeah. and you know who do we want in our family well it's interesting because we also the way you brand and market 
I'm mm. going to assume would attract that kind of clientele for the most part anyway, because mm. you guys have very organic. And if it, and I should say, if, if you guys listening haven't checked out the marketing, where can these guys find your videos? Because they're fucking. Oh, gosh, uh, they're YouTube, YouTube. Oh, YouTube, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Right. Facebook. Check Facebook. Them out, yeah, they're great. They really yeah. are. They're fantastic. Yeah. Has that played an integral role in the success of the business? Just as a, out of curiosity. I yeah. definitely think so. I think the brand was built on social, um, like without fail. Like not, when we, not your naked bodies. Well, was, no, that. Yeah. So like. <laughs> <laughs> so when we first started the brand, uh, we created this beautiful video and it yeah. involved us being shirtless and raw, et cetera, et cetera. And at that, that time when we launched that video, you weren't really seeing anything sexy or raw on YouTube or yeah, Facebook really or anything like that, that. like at all. Facebook. Like it was ridiculous. It's back, ba- back when also Facebook. Now they're having orgies yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know and like we launched that, that video and, um, and like, you know, it, it went viral in like three months ago, like 350,000 views. And I definitely think that that had a, a, a big part yeah. in our success online mm. it also That's created for sure. i think our vision for the brand as well and i talk mm. about flow like even just filming that video that was like literally like our guys came in and they asked us about that video at my gym and they said hey i want to do a, a video for your gym and i said look i've just done a video for my gym i don't need a video but i've got this other idea like if you guys are interested and that's where i pitched this you know naked video idea and they were on board straight away i wrote the script we organized a, a spot to film it, which was, happened to be at my old high school in their kitchen. That's right. In the lunch break. Yep. And um, it literally rocked up there. We, we didn't tell the principal exactly what we were doing. We tried <laughs> to block out the windows. And uh, we in two hours, we filmed it from start to finish and, and got cool. that video done. So, yeah, we, we as I said, I definitely think it set the standard for where we wanted to take our brand. I think we just want to make sure that we're we're adaptable in everything we do, we do and we're not, you know, too commercial. I think we've always tried to keep this boutiqueness to us. And I think that the way in which, you know, it's not it's not always about the quality of your content. I think it's also just about producing content. So we've always still been on that mindset of like, let's just make sure that we're getting stuff out there. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And and um, that's been a big thing for us mm. as well. It's like the more, more consistent content. How, how often do you get people coming in saying, oh, I just love how authentic you guys are. You guys are so real. Whenever we finish a podcast, we get feedback like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, we're like, you guys are very transparent in your story and in your branding and in your marketing and like that there is great so i think like and also just to take a moment like it's a testament to our store owners as well who are consistently marketing the brand locally like without our store owners it's Mm. tough man and so like they they each have their own social media platforms on facebook and instagram and you know they're 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 so active on like within that online space they're both active online and offline in their local communities so it's a testament to them as well because the more that they market the better the brand looks as well so what do you look for in a successful franchisee we look for someone who comes from a a level of business experience like ideally you know a couple of years would be ideal like especially in the back end like the operating end like the financial model like actually understanding like what the numbers are and then having an element of creativity so do they understand online marketing do they understand offline community engagement do they understand how to run staff meetings are they personable are they they personable be able to you know talk to a customer when a customer walks in like Mm. what's their personality like do they suit the brand do they fit what we're trying to you know don't buy it if you're an accountant and I, well <laughs> pretty much yeah, yeah. Uh, but like are they also financially fit as well yeah, you know yeah. i think for us you know you can have you got to make sure they've got a level yeah. of fitness to be able to sustain you can have the first. largest wallet cohen, cohen yeah. and like if you have a shit personality we won't say yes even yeah. if you say to us hey 
I'll you want to open 10 stores. Yeah. Like we're just not going to say yes. For us, it's about a relationship because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, once you sign that dotted line and you sign that lease, we're in business together for the next five to 10 years. Mm. So you've got to love each other. You really have to. Yeah. And, and you I have think, to learn to compromise as well. And on the finance, and I think people got to understand that like business takes a while to get off the ground sometimes as well. Like the, the, the good thing with the franchise is we try to take a lot of that time away from you and we try to bring a brand that people already recognize and we try to get people in your door straight away. But that still involves a level of, of, of mm. risk with anything you do in life. Do you know what I mean? So having that ability to have backup yeah, um, you know, if, if the first three months aren't as busy as they should have been, or if you're into winter and it's a little bit slower when you first open, like having a reserve there is important for us to make sure the franchisees are still we're, we're trying to, there's a stigma around franchising, which is like, because you're part of a franchise system, you will be a multi-millionaire. Mm. Where did that come from? So we're trying to- ch- Franchise marketing magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, tr- we're trying to change that stigma. It's yeah. like, guys, like when you open up your first Society Brothers store, we expect you to be in your store for the first 120 days showing face, understanding the model. And then from there, you can maybe be a bit more creative with your time. Like, but you're going to be working behind the counter. Being you've the, got to know the business. You've got to know the business. It's still yeah. a business at the end of the day. And like, so we're very transparent from day one with our franchisees. And it's going to attract a very unique kind of buyer as well. Yeah. You know, it's not going to attract more the investor types who are a bit more disconnected. It's going to attract the owner operators, people who are invested, so more yeah. emotional, more yeah. connection. We find the store owners that have two stores, two to three stores at the moment, they're the ones that are behind the counter serving, maybe mm. not seven days a week, but at least two or three. They're participating. They're yeah. participating. Or alternatively, if they don't have that, then they have a manager who's yeah. the face of their store. Yeah. So. Fantastic. I knew that would be better the second time, boys. <laughs> the first one <laughs> was good. shit in comparison <laughs> to this one. I'm so glad we lost it. The best piece of advice that you guys have ever received, either together or independently? Um, I think I think personally is that uh, in life, you can only do, you know, two things amazing. And maybe if you're really, really good, you can do the third as well. And I think that you've got to make sure you find the things that you really, really care about so that you can focus in on. So if one of them is business, the other one's relationships, and maybe you're good enough that the third one might be your health as well. But there's only really three things. So make sure you pick them wisely. Mm. And, um, you know, don't try to extend yourself. I think that's where like some young entrepreneurs and, and other people when they're starting businesses and doing things, they try to do too many things at once, like focus in on some of the things that you, you're really passionate about and, and double down on it. And eventually it'll work. Out, took me so. 43 years to bring in the third one yeah like, exactly and sometimes it's progression it's a long time yeah. Like yeah. yeah it's a long you know, time it takes three months to do a muscle up but there's like there's a stigma around entrepreneurship like hugely at the moment it's like how many fingers like how many pies can you put your fingers in oh fucking you know hell. what i mean like you would Man see this all the time two rabbits catches none like it's, one of them like probably 20 percent of my time with business owners is telling them to fuck off all the distractions <laughs> and focus on the one thing mm, build yeah. your empire don't even fucking worry about an investment portfolio like literally yeah. just put all your money in, in in one basket for five years okay if you lose it too bad but if you don't i guarantee you in five years from now you'll have a great fucking basket mm, mm. very good basket your best piece of advice like, look, you know, it's very simple. Like, you know, support yourself with, you know, surround yourself and support yourself with some amazing people that have been there and done that. Mm. If you have an idea and you don't know how to execute it, then no doubt the person who you talk to next will know how to do that. Or if they don't know, then they can probably redirect you to someone else. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, honestly, that, that's really it. Like the best thing that I've ever done in the last 10 to 15 years of me being in business is surrounding myself with amazing people. Mm. Like I just have, Makes and I hadn't had that all the time. Like I never had that. So I've created that. And by doing that, I've just been able to talk more. And like, if you don't have that, a key, a key piece of advice, just reach out to people on Instagram. You can reach out to us. We can see you in the right direction. It's pretty simple mm. when you start, be, when you get given a framework. Mm. Don't, um, put, don't put people on a pedestal sometimes as well. I think some people look at it and they go, oh, it's Kerwin Ray though. I don't, you know, he's not going to. 
he's not going to want to talk to me. Like the fact is that like, you know, that most people will. have time for, for people, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. especially if you put yourself out there, like we've caught up with heaps of people and then we've had so many amazing people catch up with us, exactly. you know, either we never thought exactly. would ever have time for us. It's funny. So. Cause like, you know how before I was talking about older people and perspective, it's funny now that we're like 29 and 30, like we're now mentoring 21 year olds. You know, like we're doing the whole perspective thing and sometimes we're like, holy shit, man, we're pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, both. <laughs> oh, you look good though. You look better than us. <laughs> oh, that's good. Cool. But yeah, it's good, man. It's good. That's awesome. Well, listen, boys, um, thank you so much for flying down second time around. Uh, please, Gloria, don't fucking lose this recording. <laughs> Uh, absolutely fantastic and yeah boys I would love to have you along to one of our events and some VIP guests You're yeah we would love to come yeah, yeah thank fantastic. you alright ladies and gentlemen Ben Day and Sam Carson from Asai Brothers go check them out get an Asai bowl but not three litres in your tummy mm. or maybe <laughs> or maybe the three litre challenge thanks guys this episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It the world's leading fast growth program for business there you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to see all of these interviews in the flesh. Share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you guys think and also let you know that your comments help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto the website, KerwinRay.com, and also check us out on all social media on the handle at Kerwin Ray. Thanks for joining us.